the spiritual bestie. Join me as we go on a journey of self-discovery, expansion, and evolution. It's Real Talk with the Spiritual Bestie. What's up, beautiful souls? It's Candy, your spiritual bestie, back with another episode of Real Talk with the Spiritual Bestie. Hey, booze. I hope that y'all had a wonderful January because, child, she came and gone. Okay, she came, looked, peeked in the door and was like, yeah, I don't know about this. I'll see y'all later. I'm out. And she left with a quickness. So here we are with Miss February. Okay, Miss Black History Month. (laughs) The only time they want to move all the black shit to the front of the store. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and go there. (laughs) I find it really interesting how we get played every single year by a lot of these major companies and corporations. And yeah, we still have a long way to go. Let me tell y'all, I've been watching our little shows, me and my husband been watching our little shows and we kind of do our little marathons on lately on watching like old shows that we grew up on to see if they were as, if they were actually as good as we thought they were back in the day. And some of them, most of them, I would say really were good. Like right now we on our run with the Wayans brothers. And at first I was like, Man, the Wayans Brothers, that shit was corny. We just was young and thought that shit was funny. And we sat down and watched some episodes. And when I tell you, laughter is good for the soul. They really, really were funny. They were really funny. And that was a really good show. And they was taking shots at everybody, okay? They was taking shots and keeping up with all the current events. So watching it now is so funny because they, when they hit those punchlines and they're taking those shots at different celebrities and stuff, it automatically and immediately just takes me back to those moments. It's so funny. So we've been watching that, but you know, I realized like closed captioning like that industry really needs some diversity because the way that they interpret our language and and our personal way of coding our culture is just really it's it's sad it's sad they do not understand our vernacular they don't understand half the time what we're even saying and these are supposed to be closed captioning professionals for major corporations and they are doing a piss poor job at closed captioning for the hearing impaired okay like black people that are hearing impaired want to they want to get the right interpretation of the show that they're watching and because y'all lack diversity and y'all have no no ethnic culture there obviously Y'all completely misinterpret our, our vernacular and our culture and our language. And it's it's just sad. Like, I feel like people within every culture should, especially um, non-white, Anglo-Saxon, European-ass culture, should be able to interpret for their own people. Like, why... 
are we always having and allowing other people to speak for us in more ways than one? I don't know. I don't want to go too deep into all that because we ain't got that kind of time today. But I noticed that, you know, so I've enjoyed our little throwback shows that we've been watching with each other. It's been hilarious and it gives us our little, you know, our little time together in the evenings to kind of wind down and laugh and pause and rewind and say, oh, my God, did you hear what they said? And it's it's been fun. It's been fun. I really enjoy um the old school shows. They've been actually living up to the hype that they carry back in the day. I appreciate that. Speaking of, I know y'all watched Miss Janet Jackson's documentary and I don't do a lot of pop culture on this podcast. And I do want to bring a little bit more of that in here because like I, I enjoy pop culture. And I think sometimes, you know, when I only give people a certain side of me, I feel like it limits our ability to grow together and to evolve our relationship, you know? So I'm bringing y'all in a little bit more. Um, But that documentary was really good. It was really good. And I learned a couple things about Janet Jackson and came to the realization of some things. Number one, I feel like Joe Jackson has been demonized for so long by, again, if we look at it, white America, like they started this narrative and I'm going to get on Michael Jackson in a moment, but I realized that he was a man that was just fighting to get his children out of poverty. The home that they grew up with, grew up in a two bedroom home with like nine people in there. Like, that's crazy. And I feel like a man is going, a real man is going to do whatever he can in a situation like that to change that for his family. And I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for that. I think sometimes also we expect people to be like blemishless and we expect people to be perfect and when they're not we we demonize them criticize them crucify them and hang them out to dry and it's like if you're not perfect we don't want you and I feel like we really 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 have to get to a place where we learn to accept people with their flaws with their imperfections without throwing them away because without the man, Joe Jackson, doing what he did. And that's not to say that it was right or it was wrong. But without him doing what he did, without him taking the measures that he did, without him fighting the battles that he didn't publicly speak about for his children, for the culture, without all of that, there's an entire arm of popular culture that wouldn't even exist. I mean, would pop culture even exist in the way that it does now without the influence of the Jacksons? Would it? Really? I think if we're honest with ourselves, pop culture would look completely different 
if there was not the influence of the Jacksons. And the Jacksons would not have made the impact had their father not led the way. He did a lot of back, a lot of stuff in the background. And he didn't try to hog the spotlight from his children. And that was made a lot clearer in this documentary. And I know that Michael Jackson did speak out a, a lot about the effects that some of the the decisions and discipline that their father used on them had on them, the lack of love, so to speak, that he felt. And I think that that is very common, too, in Black Indigenous culture in America because there was so much done to destroy and separate the Black family, to really cut out the heart of the Black family and separate us for so long that, and I remember my great-grandmother and my grandmother kind of having these conversations about how it was hard to get attached to one another, especially my great-grandmother. I remember her having this conversation with me because you never knew what was going to happen. And I'm not even talking about slavery. I'm talking about post-slavery when they were still snatching people up and just killing them for no reason for walking down the street being black, for having more than they thought that they should have. I've even experienced having white neighbors growing up that felt like we had too much and they harassed us. That wasn't like the whole neighborhood. It was one neighbor in particular. And, you know, like it almost went down. He would harass us. He would call the cops and the cops, you know, got to a point where they were like, stop calling us like these people aren't doing anything. So leave them alone. And he finally kind of chilled on that. But it came it, it came really close to the wire so many times. And one of the conversations that is not had a lot is just about how racist Tampa really is and how much vile ass energy lives there within the relationship between blacks and whites. And I experienced that personally myself. So yeah, but getting back to the Janet Jackson documentary, I realized that about her father and how hard he fought. I also realized that she seemed to just want love and want to be loved for who she was. And I feel like at the end of it, I still am left with the question of, does she feel that love? I saw the way that she lit up when she spoke about her son. And I feel like she's found that love in him. But I feel like we all have that desire within us for companionship. And I hope that she finds that in her life. Like, I hope that she finds that in a way that's really fulfilling to her. That really 
is what she's always wanted. Because I feel like she's always been kind of chasing something or on the verge of it. And then it turns out not to be what she thought it was going to be or what she needed even in that moment. So, I mean, back in the day, I really rooted for her and JD because I felt like they seemed to really have a chemistry together. Their energy seemed to really mesh well. And I think that he just didn't really have time for her chasing his own dreams. It's a lot. It's a lot. So I also realized in watching that documentary too, that it takes a certain type of person to be a celebrity, to really live that life, to really endure the type of things that you endure because she went through public failures in relationships, career, in life, very publicly. And I know that it's hard for us to fail in front of people that we know. When you fail in front of the whole world, that really, I think, affects you so much differently. And not to take away our experiences as regular, regular people, but just empathizing and having understanding for a person living that life. I think so often we feel like, oh, well, you have money, you have this, you have means that a lot of people don't have. You can go to the store and buy anything you want. You never have to think about your light bill or where this is going to come from or where that's going to come from. And that's all very true. But I think sometimes we have to count the cost. At what cost? And there definitely have been times where I have been in really desperate situations and um, like really dealing with my last dollar and just thinking about what I wished I had in those moments. Like when my son turned five, his fifth birthday, I had $5 in my bank account and I had no birthday presents for him. It was a really hard time. I think I had lost my job and I had just paid like my rent and my bills and it was my baby birthday coming up because he's like November 10th. So he's kind of like right at the beginning of the month. So I had just paid all the bills that were necessary for us to have a place to live, okay? But I still wanted to do something for him. And I remember feeling so broken as a mom. I remember feeling like such a failure. I remember just feeling so terrible about not being able to provide my son with a birthday that I thought that he should have or even anything. Like I remember planning to go to the store, buy cake mix, buy icing or whatever I needed rather to make icing and 
baking a cake and that was going to be it. And that was what I had. And I did that. 24-year-old mom. I went to the store, spent my little last couple of dollars buying. I don't even know if you can get cake mixed child these days for $5, but it was enough at that time. And I remember purchasing what I needed to bake a cake, came home, baked the cake. I'm crying while I'm baking this cake and feeling so sorry for myself, feeling like a failure, feeling like how did I let myself get into this position where I can't even give my child a toy, not even one toy that I know he really liked for his birthday. And I was just crying and my mom showed up with gifts. She showed up and he didn't even realize that I was poor and broke and had nothing to offer. <laughs> I had nothing to bring to the relationship. That's how I felt. But, you know, it's in those moments where it's like, yeah, if I was only, you know, born into a wealthier family that could just pay all my bills or, you know, these these celebrity kids, they have all of their needs met, all of their bills paid. But at what cost? At what cost? No privacy. Not being able to really connect with somebody that love you for you. See, we sometimes take for granted the simplistic beauty of life that we get to experience because we are too busy looking at what somebody else has and comparing that and comparing ourselves to that. And my husband and I had this conversation today about black excellence. And I was like, black excellence is such a cancer for our culture. It's such a cancer because you will find yourself trying to measure your life up to something that may not even be for you. When we use the term black excellence, it is almost to say that successful blackness is a monolith and there's only one way to attain it if it looks like this or this is what it should look like. This is what your life should look like if you're black and you're excellent. And I honestly absolutely hate when people use that term black excellence. I get it. And it sounds good, but in reality, the term black excellence, the energy behind that term black excellence is so cancerous to our culture because it just puts us in this place where we're constantly comparing our lives to someone else's and we're constantly measuring ourselves up, excluding the hurdles that we had to jump over to get where we are right now, excluding the fact that we have contributed to the lives around us, excluding the fact that black, black excellence does not look the same everywhere. So we had this conversation and we really did agree on the fact that that term is just very toxic. And it just puts people in this comparison space. 
It's horrible for your mental health, for your self-esteem, because you're constantly feeling like, oh, okay, well, if I'm not a doctor, if I'm not a lawyer, or if I'm not this, or if my house is in 3,000 square feet, have I arrived? Or you're constantly trying to chase and achieve more because what what they're saying about Black excellence, they're not showing the highlight reels of your life. They're not showing your accomplishments. So is it enough? If nobody's told you, baby, it's enough. You enough. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. Keep striving and pushing forward. And don't measure your life up to a term that is trendy, that's cute, but eats you up on the inside and eats away at you. Eats away at your self-esteem. We have to stop uh, comparing our lives to those of other people. Comparison is a thief of joy. And I had to learn that, you know. I had to learn that. And I just feel like using that kind, like that, that term, black excellence, really does us more harm than good. But that's my take on it. You can have your own opinion about it. Um, but kind of going back to the documentary, because I'm going to like wrap up on that. I really enjoyed it because it made me realize how brave Janet Jackson really was. Even, you know, how brave she was to endure those things publicly without completely losing it. So hats off to her. It was a great documentary. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. You know, I am a child of the 90s, so I'm a Janet Jackson, Whitney Houston kind of girl. And I really enjoyed seeing one of the icons of our culture, an indigenous icon. Y'all check the indigenous roots, okay? If y'all look the, the Jackson family history up, They are indigenous folk and they have been here like many of us. So didn't really you you don't really hear a lot about that, but it's there. They're definitely indigenous and you can see it in their facial structure. You can see it in the father's face as well, especially he very much looked indigenous to this land. So Pass off to pop culture. And you know what? I also realized I want to say this too. There's an error of, I would say, entertainment professionalism that has kind of died out. I would say Brandy and Monica's era was kind of, you saw that kind of being the end of it. And I would say maybe I also do kind of think about like Amarion and B2K and kind of that era. That was, I would say they're probably like the last of the last that of celebrities that really got media training because back in the day, they would take, especially um, any artist, but especially as kids, you know, you would see a lot of kid stars and these kid stars that, they took really young, they developed them. They developed them as not just artists, singers, 
dancers, all of that, but also how to speak to the press and how to answer questions without losing their cool, without having breakdowns. You know, you have people constantly asking you about a situation that was a literal heartbreak for you to be able to keep your composure and keep your cool and not cry about it on camera when people ask you and it brings up memories for you. It brings up emotions for you. That's that era. It doesn't really exist anymore. You don't really see artists receiving that media training anymore. But I feel like that is one of the things that really made celebrities what they were to us back in the day and why they were kind of like elevated on this pedestal. And I think social media just kind of destroyed all that because back in the day, a celebrity would have never been all up on social media, having meltdowns, breakdowns and spilling all their tea for the world just for no reason. So yeah, that era is is gone though, honey. It's it's a wrap. <laughs> Let's get into some of the more spiritual things, um, astrological things, um, some of the current occurrences. And one of them that I want to discuss today was, well, first the Lunar New Year. I want to kind of hit on that a little bit because We just had the Lunar New Year and 2022 is the year of the tiger. Okay. Not, not just purr. Okay. It's growl, honey. We're in growl season. And in Chinese culture, every year is represented by a certain animal, right? And the Chinese zodiac in in and of itself is broken down by years. They don't do like how we do by like a certain month time frame that you were born. They actually do it by that particular year because they have yearly animalistic representations, right? So, and if you want to know more, I will leave a link in my show notes for you to be able to check out um, exactly what the Chinese... Lunar New Year and just Chinese um, Zodiac means all together. But 2022 is the year of the tiger and it just symbolizes strength and, and bravery. And I found that it was really interesting that I was I was prepping and taking notes to see what I was going to talk about in today's episode as I was watching the documentary. And I was just like, dang, it's really interesting that this documentary of Janet Jackson comes out in the year of the tiger. It comes out in 2022 and the time frame around the Lunar New Year that it was released I don't know how planned and calculated that was. I'm sure that somebody behind the scenes was, you know, they was on their math. They was on it. They was checking the stars, checking the alignments, making sure. But yeah, I thought that that was really interesting. But the year of the tiger, look a little bit more into it. Find out what your Chinese zodiac is and see kind of if it resonates. I always tell people like, if it resonates, take it, take the meat, leave the bones. Um, 
Let me see how many Chinese zodiac signs there are. Yeah, there are 12 of them as well. So they have them broken down and everybody has an animal. And let me tell y'all, I've been really struggling with this. So my animal's a rat and I've known this for a while. I just haven't been able to come to full peace with it. I don't like rats, y'all. Nothing about like, I don't like a figurative or physical rat at all. I don't. They give me the heebie-jeebies. And, you know, I've been working on my Spanish around here. And my husband just keeps saying, rato, rato. And I'm just like, why are you teasing me? Why are you doing this to me? And <laughs> I just, I haven't come to peace with it. So I want to dig a little more into it. But every time I hear and see the term rat, I was like, Why? Why? Like when I initially saw this and I initially looked into my Chinese zodiac sign a few years ago, I was like, why? Why? But it's 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 the Lunar New Year. So, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> also, um, you know, we had the Mercury retrograde period that we are finally out of. And now we're in the shadow phase. So just be mindful not to make any major decisions yet. Give yourself about two more weeks, okay? Think on it. Sit down. Weigh the pros and cons again. Don't sign a contract. Do a little bit more research, okay? Maybe there's something that you need to look a little bit deeper into before making that decision. We also had the Venus retrograde that has you know Venus has gone direct as well and we're still we still have probably about a week in the shadow phase of Venus so just take your time with making decisions about altering your physical appearance in any way just give yourself about another week before you make any major changes that you're not familiar with like if you never cut your hair before don't do it just yet okay just just Maybe feel that shape of your head a little bit more and see if that's going to match with what you think you want to do. Maybe go try on some wigs. Check it out before you make drastic changes to your physical appearance, you know. And one thing I have realized when it comes to Mercury retrograde, Venus retrograde, any of the retrogrades, really. Retrogrades are times for you to say more, excuse me, think, think more and say less. Do more evaluating and less active movement and address your triggers, address your triggers. This is an everyday thing. Okay. This is an everyday life thing. We have to address our triggers and I've also realized with the ego, and this is kind of like an epiphany that I've had on something that people don't really talk about. The ego comes up whenever we feel threatened. The ego shows up like, hey, what you, what you need? It's like that sister, brother, cousin, homeboy, homegirl, homie, lover, friend that is like, don't mess with this one. 
And as soon as somebody seemed like they might want to try it, they, they popping up like, what's up? What you want to do? Because you ain't finna mess with this one. That's the ego. That's how the ego is. So when the ego shows up, if we can bring balance to our own life, if we can reel ourselves back in for a moment and step out as the observer and say, why am I about to make this decision over that decision? Not to say that either is right or wrong, but just let me evaluate things real quick. It's like hit the pause button. Let me evaluate things real quick because your ego is always going to try to just protect you. The ego has a place. It's not a useless energy. But in the moments where the ego should not be taking the driver's the driver's side of the vehicle and taking a wheel, we really have to just step back and evaluate why is my ego feeling the need to assert itself in this moment? Where am I feeling threatened? What do I actually need right now in this moment? What do I need more of right now? Because your ego doesn't show up for no reason. And even in those moments where our ego does show up, that is definitely an opportunity for shadow work. Because it's trying to protect us from something so it feels, some emotional, physical, mental harm of some sort that we probably have experienced in the past or something that triggered the feeling of nostalgia in a traumatic way. So check in with your, when your ego shows up, check in with that. Check in with that. We also, just so you guys know, have the sun and Saturn conjunct in Capricorn. That's going on. Um, it actually started February 4th and it's going on um, until the ninth. Well, it went. It was an exact conjunction. It was kind of like entering that that really getting really close on February the third. But on February fourth, it's moved exact into an exact conjunction, and it's going to be like that until the ninth of February. So not really long, but definitely some energy to address and to look into and to evaluate. So when we think about Saturn, Saturn is obstacles. Saturn is darkness. It's challenges. It is that boulder that you're trying to move uphill, right? Saturn is also lessons. And Saturn comes through to get us together. I call Saturn the gatherer, okay? Because Saturn is going to come and say, okay, nope, let's get this together. Nope. Okay. So you, you need a lesson. Saturn's a discipline. Okay. So it's like, oh, you need a lesson. Like how your mama used to come in. Oh, so you need a weapon. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Oh, oh so you want to try me. <laughs> That's Saturn. Saturn comes through with the discipline, the obstacles, the challenges, but to get us together, to gather us, to make us better. And it's not a comfortable thing most of the time when Saturn comes through to gather us, but it's a very necessary thing. All right. So a conjunction is basically a magnification or amplification of certain energy. So when we see a conjunction of any sort, we can expect to see basically that 
whatever that energy is, is going to be intensified. And the two planets that are conjunct at any given time act as allies for one another. So they are kind of like in support of each other. Okay, because this is necessary. So let's kind of break down the energy of Sun and Saturn. Okay, so I've already kind of talked about Saturn, what a conjunction means. And the Sun is the energy of leadership. The Sun is light. It's authority. Okay, when we think about the moon, that's the connection with our mothers. When we think about the sun, that's the connection with our fathers. And the sun is like essence. It's the life force. It's also, funny enough, the ego. Okay, the ego. And the need to be seen in some sort of way as a certain something. When the ego steps up, it's like trying to reintroduce us real quick because I don't know who you thought I was but this is who I am you know that's that's ego that's when ego steps forward and again the ego has its rightful place it has its job to do but don't confuse don't confuse the ego with just being all bad because it's not it's not so the sun also represents um self-sufficiency. It also represents individuality, creativity. Okay. That's, that's that solar plexus chakra energy. All right. And when we see the sun and that father figure, what we are going to see during this time period, maybe some issues with the father figure that need to be addressed. Some barriers that are still blockages that are still in our way and on our path that we haven't addressed that we need to address in order to move on and move forward. So what issues are you having right now with your father figure or authority figures? Because issues with the father lead to issues with authority. So check that. Check that. Because this little conjunction period, it's short, but it's it might bring up some some emotional things. And you may be wondering, why am I even thinking about this? Why do I even care? Or why is this coming up right now? It's the energy in the atmosphere. So that sun and Saturn conjunction is happening in Capricorn. OK, Capricorn is very about structure. Capricorn is about tradition. Capricorn also can be very rigid and stuck in their ways and stubborn, um, kind of like the Taurus. My Taurus and Capricorns kind of can sometimes be alike when it comes to um, that stubbornness and planting their feet and being very grounded also at the same time because Capricorns are very good anchors and they're really good people, if you know a Capricorn, to get advice from and to kind of help ground you when you're feeling a little emotional. My dad is one of those people that when I have, he's a Capricorn, by the way, but when I'm going through something emotionally, now it's my husband, but my dad is like my backup. My dad is the person that if my husband just 
you know, is tied up with something or if I feel like he may not necessarily understand just based on him not having known me my whole life, I call my daddy. And I call my dad just because he has that additional wisdom of life experience that my husband, who is very wise and a very good resource for me. And I typically, I find that I don't call my dad as much with stuff because I have my husband and he definitely helps to ground me because he's he's a Taurus. So he's very earthy, grounding, and he brings balance to my watery energy. Okay. So that's my grounding. But, you know, my dad was and still is um, one of the major people in my life that I call if I'm feeling kind of emotional about a decision or I'm worried about something or I just need some really solid advice that's very non-emotional. I'm going to call it Capricorn. Okay. Capricorn after a Taurus. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so with this conjunction in Capricorn, it's going to bring up very likely some emotional thoughts or bigger issues within the relationship that you have with your father. And maybe it's not even like a big issue, but just some thoughts, or maybe you need to address some things. Maybe this is that that time for you to address it because it's an energy that is available for it and welcoming of it. And if you're not too scared to dive into it, you'll really find that you get what you need out of this moment. If you'll address it, you'll get the healing that's necessary if you allow yourself to go there. And it could be scary to go there, but go there, go there. The thing I want to encourage you, if you are a journaler, definitely journal. Um, I have a prompt if you like it. And the prompt is, what challenges am I facing? Do I face with authority? And what are those challenges rooted in? And also, why am I feeling resistant right now? Whatever way you're feeling resistant, whatever situation has come up in your life that you're finding resistance to, why am I feeling resistant in this moment? Journal about this, see what comes up for you. So to wrap up today's episode, um, I want to touch a little bit on the next book that we're about to be discussing in the book club. And we're going to actually be having that discussion on the 15th of February, where we're going to start the first of three conversations around this book. The book um, is by an author um, and she's been trained through shamanism but she has a master's and I forget what her master's degree is in, but the book is called Kiran Darissimo and it is about soul retrieval and it's called Kiran soul, soul retrieval. Sorry, my tongue is getting a little twisted, y'all. But this book, y'all, oh my gosh, this book book, I feel like I'm being initiated as I'm reading this book. It is so, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. The information that is in here, 
and I'm just digging into the book. I've never read this book before. This was something that I was interested in soul fragments or soul retrieval and what all of that was. And basically to explain to you guys what soul fragments or soul loss is, is when the soul leaves the body as a way of coping with a single or even multiple traumatic experiences. So anytime something traumatic happens to us, it's almost like if you have a balloon and you like rub it to make it staticky and you pick up, say, some glitter with it, right? You, you roll it in glitter and then you hit the balloon with your hand. Things are going to fly off, right? Little pieces of the glitter are going to fly, right? That is how I see the process of soul loss. Whenever there's a traumatic event, it's like a hit to the balloon and pieces of us are now lost and separated. A lot of times people that experience very heavily traumatic events will experience memory loss. I have had that happen. People that experience trauma also experience out of body, have out of body experiences in some of those moments to protect themselves. It's a method of protection that we go through when we are experiencing trauma that may be too heavy for us to not have a full on psychotic or mental breakdown. The art of retrieving the soul is like, it's a process. And in the book, she explains it or has explained it so far as a process of like finding closure and healing on different levels and moving forward past like our traumatic experiences. So she's introducing the practices of healing in the art of shamanism and how these healing practices, which are rooted in like Mesoamerican principles and shamanism, um, they facilitate the process of soul retrieval and it's work for people. It's work. So I'm interested in digging really deep into this topic because it came up for me last year as something that was like, you know what, I need to find out more about this process of soul retrieval and what soul fragments are and why do they happen? Why do we lose pieces of our soul literally in traumatic experiences? It's almost like it eats away. And that's why if you ever um, study the aura, you know, your personal aura, you can develop holes in your aura when you experience trauma or when you are not living a lifestyle that is in alignment with your healing. So Kiran Durissimo is the actual shamanic practice of retrieving those lost pieces of ourselves. I am so excited about this conversation. If you want to join us, go to my website, thespiritualbestie.com. There is a link on there to join my mailing list and to join the book club definitely get on that. Purchase your book. It's on Amazon, or at least it was. I hope it's still available because I want to say 
at one point I had looked and I don't know if it was still there. Um, let me check real, real quick. Because even if you don't join us for the book club, I would highly recommend checking this out. It is still available at this moment on Amazon. Go check it out. Healing is a continual process. And the same thing doesn't work for everybody. So you have to find the thing that works for you. It's like a diet. Everybody can't necessarily eat the same way. Veganism isn't for everybody, but, you know, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have, it won't have some type of benefit for you, but you got to tweak things. So you may use a little bit of this practice here or, and of a little bit of that practice over there. And that's why I don't close myself off to different religions or different spiritual practices because I got to tailor my healing process for me. And you have to do the same. And that's why I don't just box myself in with a religion. That's why I respect ATRs, but I don't need to just commit myself to that. I respect Buddhism, but I don't need to just commit myself to that. I'm going to take the principles from these things, the connections that feel right to my soul, and I'm going to tailor a healing process and an existence for myself where these things fit or pieces of these things fit for me. I encourage you to do the same thing. And if you're interested in joining the book club, please do. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank y'all so much. I'm not even editing this episode. I'm just going to release it because the editing process is a pain in my ass and I'm trying to take the path, the path of least resistance. So hopefully I wasn't breathing too hard on the mic, but if I was, it is what it is. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. Please share this episode with at least one person that you know would benefit from hearing this conversation or enjoy the podcast. Also, if you want to support me, you can do so through Cash App, Dollar Sign Spiritual Bestie. Or if you want to work with me privately one-on-one and do a private session, feel free to do so. You just go to my website, thespiritualbestie.com, and there's a link that will take you directly to my booking site. I do have some limited availability, so feel free to book some time with me if you want to discuss or unpack some things. And also follow me on Instagram at spiritualbestie. I'm not on social media as much as I used to be, but I do pop in when I feel like there's something important for me to share or just to keep you guys up to date on what I'm doing and what's going on with my very special sacred and protected healing spaces that I am honored to facilitate. I love you guys. Until next time, peace.